0: and wisdom to point them to Him. I'm your host, Bethany Kimsey. Welcome back to The Kitchen Table this week. I'm so glad you're here. We have been talking about the lies we often believe in motherhood, and this week we're going to be talking about the lie that says you are alone. And When I first started this series, I think I said, oh man, I hope I said that you may hear this lie in a different way than I'm presenting it, or it may, um, some of these lies may not impact you at all, but I believe this lie impacts every mama I've ever talked to. To me, this is one of the chief lies the enemy uses with us. I want to be tender today to this lie in terms of like the damage that may have been done in your heart. I want to understand exactly why that lie can embed itself into our soul. But most importantly, my goal today is to kind of be your big sister. I want to equip you with truth. And honestly, I want to link arms with you today and I want us to walk into the light of knowing what God says to us so that when this lie comes, when we hear it, we are quick to identify it and we are quick to apply his truth to it because there is no other lie for me that can suck my energy, absolutely make me irritable and resentful and self-pitying more than this lie. So without further ado, let's get going. I want to tell you a story from my own motherhood. And it's not going to be pretty. So understand that I really want to be like I'm sitting with you across the table. And there's going to be spaces in here where you're going to want to judge me and I get it. And it's okay. Um, I have worked this out with the Lord. But when I was a very young mom... I bought the lie from the enemy. And for my head, the way it comes across to me is it sounds a lot like this. You are the only one walking through this. Nobody understands all the energy you're expending. Nobody is as committed or as engaged in this as you are. You are not understood, and you are completely alone. That's how it sounds to me most of the time. And it almost can sound a little self-righteous, as my story will probably sound to you today. But for me, this lie, I spent a lot of time in this lie. I walked a lot of, mother, of my years in motherhood believing that I was absolutely alone. And I guess in some ways it was kind of logical or at least could stand the test of my looking at it and believing this lie because I was kind of unique. I was married to somebody who was um, working a a lot, a lot of hours at his career and he was in training and, and we had known that going in. We were fully committed. It was not a surprise to me. Um, fully committed. But what was a surprise to me was that as we began to have babies, we had a bunch of babies back to back to back to back. And I began to feel very isolated and very alone and um, would be in. I remember this one moment I was um, nursing one child and potty training another one because honestly, because I tend to take on way too much. But I was, so I was nursing, potty training, I had a very spirited uh, three and a half year old and had a moment in a bathroom with my little potty trainer and my nursing child. And then my run amok child where honestly, it was like, it was too much. It was, it was just too much. I, have a child on my breast. I'm wiping somebody's honey. Another child is making books literally crash off of a bookshelf. The whole bookshelf almost fell on him. And in that moment, I was consumed with the thoughts. "Uh, What am I doing? Does anybody know I'm doing any of this stuff? Does it matter what I'm doing? I cannot do this any longer. I am the only one engaged in this process with these kids. I believed in that second that it was all up to me, number one, that nobody valued what I was doing. I was questioning whether it had value, wondering if perhaps it would just be easier for all of us if we could all be separated (laughs) and absolutely believed that even my husband, the lie said, even your husband is completely disconnected from this and this is you and you alone. And I bought it. I, within, I don't know, it was like within days, so maybe it was the the same day or the next day, actually went and met some other mamas, um, like at a a park. And so it's already brewing in my head. It just had a cruddy day. And it was brewing in my head. And I was tired. I'm nursing a baby who's probably, at that point, she was you know, up in the night. I mean, I'm tired, sleep deprived. So all those things factor in to our vulnerability to the lies that affect us. But at that play place with these other mamas, one of them turned to me and none of these mamas were, um, their husbands were not in the same field that mine was in. And so their lives looked different. And she turned to me and she said, I cannot believe all that you do. You are amazing but I could I could never do what you're doing. In fact, I cannot even believe you do it. You must be utterly exhausted and you are such a saint. And you are amazing. And she began what I believe she felt like was an encouraging moment. Unfortunately, I had already let my mind be tickled with the idea that nobody valued what I was doing and I was alone in it. And so what I came away from that, as I drove away from that play place, I was like, not even my friends are doing all that I'm doing. Like they don't even get, I mean, their husbands are there at night and their husbands are there in the morning and, and on the weekends, their husbands are there. (laughs) And I remember, I remember being consumed in that moment as if it was just utterly said to me. It was this lie that said, you're alone. You're alone. And I spent a lot of time massaging that lie. So I, because of who my personality is, Did not descend into a place in that lie of quitting. Instead, I began to massage that lie and allow it to grow into self pity and resentment. I resented my friends who didn't have, didn't walk the same kind of motherhood walk that I walked. I'm like, well, I mean, like, you don't even know how it is because. Like, you know, whatever. And I resented my husband because he wasn't there. And let me be very clear. When my husband was there, he was fully present. He was, he is an amazing father. But we had, as a team, chosen a path that we knew from the outset would be hard. But I was letting a lie fester within me. And draw me away from him because I resented him. I resented the fact that he wasn't coming home. That another surgery had taken precedence or another emergency or whatever it may have been. And I began to descend into self-pity. And y'all, when we believe a lie and we allow ourselves... To let it circulate in our mind for a long time. It begins to change our heartbeat. It just does. And so my heart began to grow cold. It grew cold to friends who didn't walk like I walked. It grew cold to my husband. I resented him. It grew, um, I grew lonely I believed that I was alone. And so honestly, when you begin to believe that, then you become lonely. And loneliness opens a chasm. It, it just does. That's what it does. The enemy knows this. It's why I believe that there's in scripture, it talks about how the enemy can prowl and hunt us. And it's almost like the picture is that of a lion. Well, I think it says a, a lion seeking to devour. And you know, Lions don't hunt in the middle of the pack, the strongest animal. They look for that one that's on the edge or they seek to isolate one off from the pack. And that's what the lies of the enemy do to us. They pull us into isolation. Some of these lies that we've been listening to actually layer in shame. I'm not sure for me, the way I embraced this lie of being alone, that shame was layered in because of the lie. I think that, for instance, the lie of feeling like you're messing your kids up, which we're going to talk about in a couple weeks, definitely can have a component of shame right on top of it. So, you know, it's almost like the enemy says you're messing your kid up and don't you tell anybody because nobody wants to hear that or you're the only one who, who deals with it. That's a lonely lie, but it's kind of a shame laden lie. But for me, in this lie of feeling alone, it was definitely self-pity, it was definitely resentment, and it was a chasm that I was falling into of my own accord because I lacked discernment to identify the lie that I had embraced. And it is so critical, and we are talking week after week, about being women who can identify, who can discern the voice of the enemy, the lie that we're hearing, we can discern it because we have spent time in the truth and it doesn't line up with the truth. And if it doesn't line up with the truth, it is not from God. But for me, in the middle of this, I was a mess. My resentment um, began to show itself with my kids I mean, you know, you're 24-7 taking care of precious little people. And when you begin to believe that you're the only one doing it and nobody's watching you and nobody's applauding you and nobody's helping you and nobody lives like you do, you begin to resent the ones you're serving, the ones you're caring for. Or I did. Maybe it's just me, but I did. And I found myself getting snappy and irritable short-tempered, I had a, you know, I had a short fuse and I, you know, it, it's not something I love like admitting to. Nobody wants that, but it was where I was and God was faithful to me there. He loved me there in my mess and it was a big stinking pile of mess. And there was a day where I was sitting on my couch and my kids were down for naps and it was probably like the glorious 30 minutes you maybe can wrangle in a day with a bunch of toddlers and it's all quiet. And honestly, I just wanted to do nothing. And I, though, opened my Bible probably more because out of a sense of duty than out of a a righteous I'm just going to be honest. It was probably more duty. I hadn't done it that day and felt like, well, I should probably do it. But the Lord is faithful even in that. And he met me in Hebrews 13. And I want to read it to you because we're talking about anchoring our hearts in truth. And we're talking about the only way we can defeat the lies the enemy brings against us is with the word. And as your big sis in this, your older friend, the one who's already done this stupid stuff, I want to tell you that for me, this verse became really important in those hard, hard years when I had to really fight this lie. So Hebrews 13 verses five and six, it says, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you. Nor forsake you, so we can confidently say, "The Lord is my helper; I will not fear. What can man do to me?" That seems like a weird passage, right? And again, this is my, this is my anchor verse. <laughs> it may not be yours, but I want to take you on a little trip, because God's word is consistent. And when I begin to read that. I heard those words from the Lord that said, be content, Bethany, with what you have. And see, part of my buying the fact that I was alone, I was incredibly discontent, very discontent. And the Lord was saying to me, I'm not going to leave you. You are not alone. I'm not going to forsake you. I am with you every step of this way. Every moment of the day, my presence is right with you. Your, um, your way is not unseen. You know, there are scriptures and I'm going to put them in the show notes where it says your way, I I see your way. I see what you're walking through. I am walking with you in it. But for me, this verse was huge because I needed a helper and I needed to know my helper was never going to forsake me. So as I studied this verse, Joshua 1, 5. Remember, God's word is consistent. Joshua 1, 5, he says, I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. And then later in verse 9, he says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. And do not be dismayed. And I was probably more hanging in the dismayed category. I was just not loving my life. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And then for me, the last link up. And I, at some point I'll talk about, I love to link passages of scripture in my Bible. It helps me the next time I come in and I'm I'm facing the same thing. I I, I cannot keep scripture in my head. I want to, we're memorizing it in our home, but it is hard for me. So I write, I link passage to passage to passage. I call them just Bible, I I call them roads in my Bible, but you can call them whatever you want. But um, Psalm 118 verses five through seven says, out of my distress, I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. Now, for me, those three passages began to link together. And they began to be the anchor where my heart tied down into the word and said, for this season, I am going to refute Every time the enemy comes at me and says, "You are all alone and nobody sees what you're doing," and nobody acknowledges it, and nobody's impressed with it, and nobody, you're, whatever that lie looked like to me in that season, instead of going, "You're right," and that's, to, I began to say, "No." The Lord is with me wherever I go, and He is my helper, and I can be strong in this moment, and I can be courageous in this moment and i don't have to be afraid i don't have to be depressed i don't have to be discouraged i can stand in this moment in the messiness of today in the lack of scheduling because when i had 3 under the 3 and under i could not get anybody scheduled for anything good it just wasn't and i could instead begin to stand in his truth you see oftentimes motherhood will make the void of feeling alone really big. For me, it was because I, I, I bought, I believed that my husband wasn't in it with me as much as I was in it. That wasn't true, but it's what I believed and it's what I consumed. I consumed those thoughts. I allowed those thoughts to grow within me. But you know, if you're a single mom, You definitely can feel like you're on your own and you can feel like nobody is in it with you, but you do have someone in it with you and he is your helper. You know, oftentimes we feel like we don't have anybody, any friends to turn to. Nobody's in our same stage or they don't understand us or we're taking care of a child that is unlike anybody else's child. Like we may have a special needs child or a child that just has extra energy and nobody seems to match up with what we're experiencing and so we feel alone. Honestly, this last year, y'all, we all went through massive isolation. Massive times where we felt like we were the only one. And I think the last part of this is the enemy will definitely couple this lie with other lies. And say, if anybody knew the real you or your real children... Or the way it really works in your home. They would not want to know you. Or want to be your friend. Or they wouldn't like you. So don't show your real self. And stay alone. And I want you to know you are fully known. And you are never rejected. In fact he is with you wherever you go. So as I began to replace the lie. That I'm all alone. With the truth that I can call on him. He answers me. He sets me free. He is on my side. He is my helper. My, you see, my aloneness was a desperate need to walk with someone. We are wired for relationship. I desired more than anything to link arms and do this really hard job in relationship. And God freely offers that to you and to me. And in the culture that we live in right now, and here's my little, here's a warning. In the culture we live in right now, it is very easy to fill that space, even with friends, maybe girlfriends to help you. Um, oh, Different, you know, uh, lists of how to make your husband understand what you're going through in a day. Uh, the jokes about, we'll just ditch the kids to your husband and take some time by yourself. The... Honestly, the idol we're beginning to make of self-care and I am a big proponent of there being separateness in the sense of I am a mother, but I am a woman and I am myself, but we cannot idolize, um, self-care. It will not fill the void, which is you desire to walk this out in relationship with someone and that someone will never disappoint you because God doesn't disappoint us. You know he offers us his true hope and his true joy so that in the clamor of all the voices, all the ch- children voices, all the teenage voices, all the, the different voices that are always in my head, right all of them talking to me all the time and then I have the lies talking to me all the time and then I have culture telling me I should be demanding certain rights or certain privileges. God offers peace. And when I began to understand I was buying a lie and massaging it and allowing self-pity and resentment to rule my heart, and I instead began to open up that tightly clenched hand and say, okay, God, I don't know how this is going to work out because I still feel crazy alone. And I began to let him step in there. And I began to experience his peace even in the craziness. And I began to experience his joy, which joy from God is an under, is recognizing grace. It is seeing God's grace at work. And so when I began to recognize his grace at work in me, the love that never pulled back in horror because he saw how resentful I could be and how mean I could be. And instead, he just full throttle came in anyway and said, "I am your friend." And I am your helper. And he is saying that to you. If you struggle right now with feeling like you are alone in the mess of your motherhood, you are not. You are not. So I just want to say a couple word nerd things and then we will finish. The word nerd things are, it says, I will never leave you. That word leave means to slacken a grip. So God's saying, sweet mama, I will never slacken my grip. I have got your hand tight and I will not let go. And then it says, I will never desert you. Well, the word desert there means that his grip is a steadying grip. So not only will he never let go of you, he will never stop steadying you. So for me, when I walk with my little people across a road in the parking lot and we're going into Target and I'm holding, especially, you know, when when our kids are real little and they're like toddlers or whatever, and so they want to walk and you're not sure and it's super slow and you kind of wish you could just scoop them up on your hip, but they want to walk. And you hold them, you hold their hand in such a way that if their little feet stumble or slip, they actually never fall right because you just you're right there you're still holding them up at the same exact level and then they get their little feet back up under them kind of like that cartoon I don't know but for me when that first came alive I had a three-year-old a two-year-old and a baby and I was holding so many people's hands and God goes I'm never gonna let go of your hand and I'm never gonna let you stumble I got you you are not alone He will never leave us behind. He will never stop steadying us. He will never slacken his grip. So the darkest parts of my heart, you know, the reality was, I just was so fearful that nobody saw me. And then I didn't want them to see the ugly of me. He saw, he still sees, and he doesn't turn away. You see, The reality what I learned in that period was that no matter how fully my husband loves me, no matter how amazingly present I wanted him to be, like if he had just quit his job and came home and we just together just raised these three little people and he was there a hundred percent of the time, he would never be God. He would never be what I really needed. I needed God. I needed to have companionship with Him. And God began to loosen the reins of my resentment. And He began to unpack all the places I bought into self pity. And instead, He was my helper in those places. You see, He doesn't leave us in lack, He doesn't leave us less than, with abundance he fills us. With abundance, he comforts us. With abundance, he steadies us. With abundance, he walks with us. I want you to understand that when we're walking through these lies, we need to do a couple things. We have to identify the lie. We have to understand shame is almost always right there telling you, don't look at this, it's ugly, terrible, the worst, it's embarrassing, it's whatever. And instead, we need to look at the truth, and we need to anchor in the word. I have those sheets as a free resource in the show notes. It's just a template. Put scripture down. Look at that scripture. Be honest with Jesus about where you are and how the word needs to impact your heart. That's as simple as it gets. It's not fancy. It doesn't need to be hard. You can use the scriptures I gave you today. There are lots of others that you can find. If you need help, I have the ability, you can please reach out to me. You can find me on my website. I have actually something you can just speak your questions into, and I answer them. I have lots of questions beginning to grow that I plan to, uh, or like a bank of questions that people have asked that I plan to begin to address. And they're amazing. But you are not alone with your question, and no question is stupid. So I would love to help you walk. Um, Next week, we're going to be talking with a good friend of mine. She is a mama of five. And her story of how this live being alone impacted her is powerful. So I I look forward to that. And I hope that you will join us for that. And until then, I am praying that you will understand that God loves you abundantly without stopping. He is with you. He is your helper. He is your friend. And you are not alone. I hope you enjoyed this episode of When God Breaks Through. If you're wanting to connect with me and with other moms walking in the same messy moments, head over to bethanykimsey.com. That's where you'll also find the show notes with any links, as well as more resources you can grab to help you see that when God breaks through, when we see Jesus at work, the fuzzy intersection of real-life mothering and the gospel becomes very clearly defined we can walk with confidence and purpose. Have a grace-filled day.